you have your Bibles, you can grab them. You can turn with me to the book of John chapter 14. The book of John chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 12. Pastor Dave taught uh, through verse 14 last week, so we're going to do a little overlap with what he taught. But we're excited, and I believe God has an encouraging word for us this morning. Today's teaching is about the subject of obedience, obedience to Jesus. And maybe you're new at church, maybe you're new to faith, maybe this is kind of your first time exploring things, and you're thinking like, wait, like, I I thought obedience was like always what you guys talked about. Maybe your perception of church is that we come here and the pastor stands up and they're like, here's the way you have to obey God this week. It's kind of what people think about with church. And so you're going to learn something about what the Bible talks about obedience. But for those of us who are Christians, sometimes the idea of obedience can be a little bit complicated. And I'll explain what I mean. When I was in high school, I was in high school from 03 to 07. And uh, I went to a private Christian high school. And during that time, uh, I learned a lot about obedience because my high school was very big on like the rules of God. And so there was a lot of like, don't listen to this, don't watch that, don't kiss that, Um, just seeing if you're awake. (laughs) And so there was just a lot of rules and kind of the general uh, sort of tone was like, if you do these things that are good, God will like you. And if you don't obey God's rules, God is going to dislike you. He's going to be really, really upset. And so there was kind of this fear that, that entered into me and almost like a distance I felt from God. I felt like, man, there must be something else to a relationship with God. Well, fast forward to after college, and I had an amazing encounter with God. And it was really, really powerful. And I learned about something called the gospel. And what I learned was that we can try to do good things. But that if we try to stack up enough good deeds, if we try to obey enough, that that actually still isn't enough to earn the approval of God. And what I learned is that all of us, every single human being, has, has sinned and we're all distant from God because of that sin. But God loved us so much that he pursued us. It wasn't about us figuring out enough good deeds to make it to him, but that God loved me and loved you enough that he pursued me. He found me when I was lost and he brought me into the family. And so that was a beautiful thing that I discovered, that God loved me, that he died for me, that he wanted to forgive me of my sins, that he uh, had this incredible plan for my life. And when I heard that, I was so excited about Christianity. I was so excited about faith. And I was like, man, this is what I want to tell people about. But over the next like few years, I started listening to a lot of different speakers that were talking to my generation and preaching to my generation. And, and a lot of what started happening, even over the past like 10 years within Christianity, was there was a lot of messages about God's love and about God's grace and about God's mercy. And in that, there also was this thing of like, yeah, you know, don't even worry about the rules of God. You know, don't worry about obeying him. That's like legalism. That's just this whole thing. You don't even want to get into that. Just, just focus on God's love. Just focus on God's grace and acceptance. And that sounded awesome. I was like, man, I would like that. That sounds like a good message. But then I started reading the Bible, and I was like, but there's still like a lot of rules in here. Like, I, there's still things, and Jesus seems to think this is an important thing. 
So how do I understand obedience? How do I understand God's grace but also obedience? And today, we're going to look to learn what God teaches about these things. So with that being said, I hope you're in John chapter 14, verse 12, but I'm going to pray and we're going to dive in. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for speaking to our hearts, and I pray that you will teach us what you want us to learn today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So starting in verse 12 of John 14, what we see is that Jesus is in the middle of a teaching. And the teaching started with him making this kind of truth bomb and dropping this truth bomb on the disciples that totally shocked them. He said, I'm leaving and where I'm going, you can't come with me. Now the disciples, their expectation for Jesus was that he was going to overthrow Rome and he was going to establish God's kingdom on the earth right then and right there. So the fact that Jesus said, I'm leaving, I'm going and you can't come with me, they're like, this is not the plan. This is not what we had thought it was going to be. And so over the John 14, 15, and 16, he is going to encourage them, and he's going to bring comfort to their troubled hearts, and that's what we're going to see. So look with me, verse 12, it says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask anything in my name, and I will do it. And then verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, Jesus says a couple really wild things here. He makes an incredible promise. He says that his followers are, are going to do greater things than Jesus did, And that there is great power in our prayer. He says, if you ask anything in my name, I'm going to do it. So Jesus is saying, he's inviting his followers, pray big prayers. Believe that I'm going to do something powerful. Expect that God is going to move in your life. And by the way, my followers, they're going to continue my mission. And it's not just going to be all, this is a subpar version of Jesus's mission. Jesus says, it's going to be just as good. In fact, it's going to be greater than when I was here on earth. Now, Pastor Dave taught us last week that greater doesn't mean that we're gonna do better works because the greatest work was what Jesus did on the cross, but we're gonna do more works, that Jesus's followers have actually done more than Jesus himself because Jesus has sent us all over the world. And so Jesus here, he's challenging our church, believe that God can do incredible things. Believe that God can save your coworker. Believe that God can answer the prayer that you've been praying about your your son or your daughter. Believe that God loves your neighborhood and wants to see your neighborhood encounter Jesus, wants to see your school encounter Jesus, wants to see the the students that you, you serve alongside encounter Jesus. So God is challenging us to believe that that through him we can do great things. But there's a caveat in verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I am not a genie in a bottle. I'm not just ask whatever you want, throw your wishes at me, and I am guaranteeing that I'll do anything you want. He's saying that my followers understand that I am king. That that 
what I say goes. But when we align ourselves with God, when we say, God, I I love you. Jesus, I love you. I want to value you. I want to do what you've called me to do. When that happens, Jesus says, powerful things can happen in your life and through your life. So this is, this is how he starts. Let's keep going. Look at verse 16. Jesus is about to introduce the disciples to someone extremely important. Verse 16, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Everyone say, another advocate. Another advocate, so important, to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So Jesus is introducing his disciples to the concept of the Holy Spirit. And in the next three chapters, Jesus is going to share five many teachings about the Holy Spirit. It's the longest teaching that Jesus himself does about the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to look at two of the many teachings that Jesus does, and we're going to learn seven quick facts about the Holy Spirit from this teaching. So look at with me up on the screen. There's going to be five things from the verses that we just read, and then two more in a couple of verses. But the first thing is this. The Holy Spirit is sent by Jesus and the Father. Here's the big idea. That Remember, we we worship one God who exists as three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. After Jesus died, he returned to heaven, and so he and the Father, they looked down at the followers, the disciples, us, and they said, we want to give them a gift that's going to help them to follow us and help them to spread the mission. Now, God could have given us any gift, He could have been like, we are going to drop really, really nice church buildings everywhere around the world, and that's the gift. That wasn't the gift. He could have said, we are sending unlimited money to Christians. That's the gift. That's going to help them. He could have said, we're going to put more politicians who are Christians in office. We're going to make all of Hollywood Christian. That's going to be how we advance the mission. That wasn't the gift. The gift was the Holy Spirit. The the gift was what my followers need to move forward, to worship me, to be changed by me, to carry on my mission. The gift is, here's the Holy Spirit. That's what we need to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish, full stop. So number one, the Holy Spirit is sent by Jesus and the Father. Number two, the Holy Spirit is another like Jesus. Jesus actually says that I'm going to send you another advocate. Now, that word another, is, it means in Greek, one of the same kind. And so if you're talking about a baseball team and you're like, no, I'm not talking about that baseball team. I'm talking about another baseball team. You're still in the same category. It's still a baseball team. And Jesus is saying he's another like me. And so what we should understand And what the disciples should understand is that in the same way that Jesus interacted with the 12 disciples, the Holy Spirit is going to interact with us. He's another just like Jesus. Number three, the Holy Spirit is a comforter, an advocate, an intercessor, a counselor, a strengthener, a standby. 
This is the amplified version. Those adjectives are the amplified version for that word advocate. Maybe some of your translations say comforter or helper. It's, it's the Greek word paraclete. Everyone say paraclete. You know some Greek now, paraclete. And paraclete was a legal advisor. It was someone who was coming alongside someone to defend them, to help them within legal court, to defend and to counsel and to guide in their time of need. And so what Jesus is saying is, the Holy Spirit is going to be like that for you. Number four, the Holy Spirit is a person. This is really important. Jesus says, you will know him because he will live in you. Jesus did not say you will know it. This is very important. The Holy Spirit is not a mystical force. It's not an energy. It's not something that we can kind of tap into. It's not like Star Wars, okay? See, R.A. Torrey, he wrote about the Holy Spirit, and he said that if the Holy Spirit was a mystical force, then our goal would be to get more of it in our lives. But if the Holy Spirit is a person, God, then our goal should be to surrender more to him. And so this is the idea. We're not tapping into a mystical force. God himself has moved in, and we're surrendering to his work. And then number five, the Holy Spirit lives inside followers of Jesus. Jesus said that he will live in you. And so if you're a follower of Jesus today, the moment, the second that you put your faith in Jesus, your sins were forgiven because of the blood of Jesus, and God gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit. God himself has moved in, and God is living inside of you to guide you and to walk with you. So Jesus talks about this. This is very important. He says this is highly, highly important. Now he's going to talk a little bit about what this practically means. Look at verse 18. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world won't see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. So Jesus, over and over in this passage that we just read, he talks about that he's going to draw near to the disciples. That he's not going to leave them as orphans. He's going to come to them. That the world is not going to see them, but we're going to see them. He says that the one who loves me, I will show myself to them. Now, this is a little confusing because Jesus earlier said, I'm leaving. Where I'm going, you can't come. So why is it that now he's saying he's going to draw near to us? Well, this is, we, we need to understand that this is through the power of the Holy Spirit. That yes, Jesus did rise again and his 11 disciples saw him for a few moments. But after he went to heaven, he sent the gift of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus walked with the 12 or the 11 disciples. He walked with all of us through that Holy Spirit. And by the way, I'm saying the 11 disciples, because remember, there were 12, but, but Judas has left, and so now, now there's 11. So in case you're wondering, like, is Brian's math off? No, 12 minus 1. I think that's 11 still. Anyways, so this is important, though. Jesus says 
that the Holy Spirit is going to be the way that we as Christians experience the presence of God. Now, this is significant. In John chapter 16, Jesus says that it's better for me to leave because if I leave, the Holy Spirit's going to come. So what Jesus is actually saying is that you and I, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can actually have a deeper intimacy with God, a better relationship with God than Peter, James, and John did walking with Jesus in the flesh. Isn't that crazy? Like, they walked with him. They rode on boats with him. They ate hummus with him. They watched Jesus do miracles. And Jesus is saying, now, because you have the Holy Spirit living in you, just the same, actually, it's better. Jesus' presence is with us. Let's keep going. Verse 22, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, there's two Judases in the disciples, not confusing at all. Judas said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Verse 23, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. And anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. So once again, Jesus is repeating this theme. If you love me, you're going to obey me. If, if you don't love me, you're not going to obey me. If you're not obeying, that means you don't love. Verse 25. All this I have spoken with you while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So this is the second little mini teaching that Jesus gives on the Holy Spirit. And we're going to learn two more things about the Spirit from this text. First off, what we learn is that the Holy Spirit is our teacher and our reminder. So Jesus said the Holy Spirit is going to teach you and bring to remembrance all things. So this is really important. This is what we believe. That when myself or, or one of the other pastors is up here teaching, or when you're in a Bible study, or when you're in a, a small group setting and you guys are talking together, or when you're reading the Bible, we believe that there is a human element. I'm speaking. The, the Bible study leader is speaking. Your small group is sharing together. But we also believe there is a supernatural element, a God element, and that Jesus or God himself through the Holy Spirit, is actually the one who's teaching us. So if you're learning right now, you're not learning because I'm doing awesome. You're not learning because of my quick wit. You're learning because the Holy Spirit is the one who's teaching and instructing your heart and, and helping you to learn what God wants you to learn. And the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to bring remembrance to you. So as you go out into the world, as you're at lunch, as you're in your business, whatever you're at, the Holy Spirit's the one who's helping you to apply those truths. And then the last thing we learn about the Holy Spirit is this, that the Holy Spirit brings us peace. Jesus said the world can't give you peace, but I'm going to give you peace. And that peace is going to come as you walk with the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's finish up our text, and then we'll learn a few things about obedience. Verse 28, 
Jesus said, you heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would have been glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not have much more to say, or I will not say much more to you, but the prince, for the prince of the world is coming. He has no hold over me. Verse 31, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Now, Jesus says, come now, let us leave, because remember, they're in the upper room right now. And so Jesus is inviting them, hey, we're leaving the upper room, and they're going to travel across Jerusalem to the Garden of Gethsemane. That's where Jesus is going to pray to God, and that's where he's going to be arrested and betrayed. So he's like, hey, time to go. Now, here's what I want to talk about. I want us to remember that the reason Jesus is sharing this is because he's bringing encouragement to his disciples. Their hearts are troubled, and he's sharing encouragement with them. And he has shared about the great power that comes from knowing Jesus. I'm going to do great things. You're going to do great things for me. That, that if you ask things in my name, I will answer those prayers. He's also talking about the presence of God. I'm going to draw near to you. You're going to experience peace. You're going to be taught by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is making some incredible promises. Can we agree that? Like Jesus is making some wild promises right now. Now, I want us to think about this for a second. And this is the first thing that we can write down. That many people know about God, but they aren't experiencing the presence and the power of God. So, so there's a lot of people in churches everywhere that they're familiar with God. They, they grew up around the things of God. They went to a Christian camp or, or they come to church. And so they're familiar. They know about it. But when I am talking about all of these beautiful promises that Jesus gave us, people would say, man, I'm not walking in that. I don't know how to experience that in my life. Like, that's crazy. I have a sin problem, and I can't seem to overcome it. Or I have a mental block or an emotional block, and there's just something keeping me from truly experiencing the presence of God. And that's what's happening is so many people, they're familiar but they don't truly know and experience the promises of God. And here's what Jesus is saying through this text. You can write this down, that if you believe in Jesus, but you're not experiencing the presence and power of God, he says there's two missing links. One is obedience to Jesus' commands, and two is the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus says, here's all the promises. Here's all the things that I want to give you. But he says, if you love me, you're going to obey me. And if you know me, you're going to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Now remember, I told you earlier that we're going to talk about obedience. That there's a lot of confusion around the topic of obedience. What does it mean to obey God? How do we obey God? And, and so I'm going to share just a few things that we need to know about obedience. But first off, this is really important. In order to, for us as Christians to understand obedience, we need to understand the order of obedience. The order of obedience. And I put this up on the screen. I'm going to mention this a few times over the next couple minutes. So here's the order of obedience. I'm going to say it and then I'll explain it. God's love, Jesus, our love, and our obedience. Let me explain. We don't start with us. 
we never start with us. It always starts with God. God always makes the first move. God always initiates. So we don't obey because we're awesome. We don't believe because we're brilliant. We love because God first loved us. This is what it says in 1 John chapter 4. Look at it up on the screen that we love because he first loved us. So in your life, right now, God deeply loves you. Before you were born, before your parents even knew that you were a, uh, an, an idea, before eternity started, God looked into the future, he saw every person in this room, and he said, I love them. I have an incredible heart for them. God loves you. If you're here right now, if you're breathing, God loves you. Anyone who's ever existed, God loves them. Now, yeah, amen, amen. Now listen, God loved, so I want you to see this, he took an action. And his love motivated him towards an action, and here was the action, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he, action verb, he gave. And he gave his one and only son, Jesus, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And so God's love prompted him to give us Jesus. Jesus dies on the cross for us. He forgives us of our sins so that we can walk in newness of life. Now, when we experience Jesus, then that allows us to love God. That when I understand that Jesus has forgiven me of my sins, that God has given me the Holy Spirit, that God has given me incredible promises, that God invites me into a relationship with him, that God has promised heaven for me, man, that makes me love God. God, thank you. I don't deserve that, but I'm grateful for it. But my love, remember, God's love leads to his action of giving us Jesus. Now, my love leads to my action, and my action is obedience to Jesus. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So when I see God's love, and when my heart responds to him in love, that love prompts me to obey. Now, this is how I wrote it, just another way for us to think about it. That our obedience does not activate Jesus' love for us. Our obedience demonstrates our love for Jesus. And see, this is, a lot of people get it backwards. A lot of people think, man, if I mess up and if I do the wrong thing, Jesus is not going to love me. God is going to hate me if I disobey. If I do the wrong thing, oh man, he, he's not going to like me. If, like, I can't even walk into church because if I walk into church, lightning is going to strike me because I've been disobeying God. It's not the right way to think about it. God loves you. Like, God has already proven everything that he needs about his love for you because he's died on the cross for us so that we could have life. So God loves us. That's not even in question. But our obedience is actually demonstrating that I love God. I love him by obeying. Now, I like to think about it like this. I have a three-month-old son, and his name is Malachi. And Malachi has never obeyed me once. And, and, and like, I, I have asked him really nicely sometimes to stop crying, and he doesn't do it. He's never obeyed me. He has peed on me. He's pooped on me. He's thrown up on me. He's screamed in my face for an hour. And actually, he, he, he's never brought me any 
tangible value into my life. He, he's not brought me any money. He's cost me quite a bit. He, he's cost me emotional. I mean, it's just, like, I've given a lot. Like, this, this is like my therapy session. I just feel like I keep giving and giving. But man, I love him. I love him. You know, the, the moment that I found out he was going to be our baby and he was going to be Katie and Mai's baby, man, I loved him. The moment that he came into our lives, Katie and I, we loved him. Every day since then, we love him. And I, I do hope that there will be a day when occasionally he will obey me. <laughs> Maybe it'll be few and far between. But man, I hope that that happens. But man, my love for him isn't dependent on his action toward me. I already love him. And it's the same with God. God already, God already loves you. But he's inviting you into this relationship. And the relationship happens when we respond to God in love. So hopefully, by now, if we're followers of Jesus, we're like, man, I do want to obey Jesus. So how do I obey Jesus? Well, there, there's a lot of commands in the Bible. Like if you read them, like it can get overwhelming. And so the question is, where do you start? Well, we start right here with 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. And there's a lot of commands, but these two commands are the umbrella commands. This is like, if you want to know what to do, start here. Everything else kind of falls under this. And so the commands are this. This is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. So two things. Number one, believe in Jesus. So if you're not a Christian, if you're not following God, your first step, your first act of obedience, believe in Jesus. Believe that he died for you. Believe that he is king. Believe that he has an incredible life for you and turn your life to him. If you're already a Christian, believing is, is saying, man, I'm gonna continue to seek him. I'm gonna continue to chase after him. I'm gonna continue to grow in my knowledge of him. And then uh, number two is to love one another as he has commanded us. Jesus commanded us to love one another self-sacrificially. In the same way that Jesus lays down his life for us, we are to lay down our lives for one another. Now think about this. All of the other commands in the Bible are just ways that we love God or ways that we love one another. God says, and we're called to, to live sexually pure lives. But sexually pure lives, that allows us to have a connection with God. Because if we sin, we sin against the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it also allows us to love and serve and honor other people. We're loving one another as Jesus has loved us. We're, we're called to speak in such a way that we're kind to each other. But that's just a way that we love one another. As I speak to you in such a way, I honor you. I, I, I talk about you and, and speak to you the way that God sees you. And so that is an area of obedience. So, so simply, if, if you're, like, like, as you grow, as you read the Bible, as you learn, like, there's going to be a lot of commands to obey. But there's always that umbrella. Man, I want to believe in God. I want to seek God. And I want to love other people. And that is how, what we're called to do. Now, we've talked about obedience, but I need us to understand a key to obedience. A key to obedience is this, and it's up on the screen. The Holy Spirit gives us access to God's presence and power to obey his commands. So if you're right now, you're thinking, man, Brian, I, I, I want to obey God. But, like, I really do desire it. But, but it's really hard. Like, I've tried, and, and I've 
come down and rededicated my life before. Or I've made a vow at church, like, God, I'm never going to sin again. And then I leave and I sin and, and I mess everything up. Like, if you're like, man, Brian, I've tried before and I've failed. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the power to know God and the power to follow his commands. I remember about 11 years ago, I was at Men's R&R. And it was one of my first events that I ever went to at Calvary. God did amazing things in my life through that time. But, but I was sitting in a Q&A session. And at the time, man, I was so confused uh, about starting my relationship with God. I knew that I wanted to seek God, but I was very intimidated. Well, one of the things was, man, just reading the Bible. I was like, I don't know how to read the Bible. I don't know what I'm supposed to learn from this. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. And I was afraid, like, man, what if I mishandle it or what if I mess something up? And so I was at Men's R&R, and a question came up to a panel, and the question was, I don't know how to read my Bible. I'm intimidated to do it. And I was like, man, that's my question. And Pastor Norm was there, and he answered, and he shared something that really did change my life. He said that the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired the Bible, and the Holy Spirit lives in you. And God wants you to understand the Bible. So, so when you uh, are, are reading the Bible, pray and ask God to show you the scriptures. Ask God to help the scriptures come alive. And I started doing that. And that changed my life because I, I began to realize that God wanted to partner with me to come alongside me and to help me to obey his commands. He hasn't left me alone, but he's saying, man, I want to help you. I want to encourage you. I want to to give you the power to do what I'm calling you to do. I love what it says in Ezekiel chapter 36. God is writing about the Holy Spirit, and he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So listen, when it comes to obeying, we do have to have availability. We have to say, God, I want to do it. God, I'm available. God, help me. But it's the spirit that God gives us that gives us the energy, that gives us the power to do it. Don't try to obey God's commands apart from God's spirit. It's not going to happen. But when we partner with the spirit, when we invite the spirit and surrender to him, he gives us the power to obey. Now, as we close, I want to share two more thoughts about obedience. One is going to be a challenge and one is going to be an encouragement. So here's the challenge. That when it comes to obedience, we need to think about obedience is loyalty, not loopholes. Loyalty, not loopholes. Here's what I mean by that. Often, when we read the Bible, and by the way, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about myself as well. I, I read a command of God, and my first thought is, like, I understand that's a command, but like, is there any wiggle room there? Like, is there an exception for my situation? But, but here's what I want to encourage you. Let's say that my wife Katie came to me, and she said, Brian, I feel like we're getting disconnected. I feel like we're not spending as much time together as we once did, and I feel like we're just not valuing our, our marriage the way we should. We need to spend more time together. And if I said to her, I agree with you, what is the least amount of time that I can spend with you to make you feel valued? 
I want to take you out on dates. What's the cheapest meal we can get that's going to make you feel special? If I did that, would that prove to her that I really cared? No. That would show that I'm looking for a loophole, that I have another priority, and I'm just trying to check a box. And for us, we can try to check a box with our faith as well. And I want to share a teaching that Jesus did, and it actually kind of smacks us in the face a little bit. Look at this, Luke chapter 17. He's giving us a parable, and he says, Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. And by the way, in this parable, we are the servants, and he is the, the, the owner of the fields. Will he say to his servant, when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we're unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Now, we need to understand something. God does love us. This uh, verse makes it sound like God is only a harsh boss. And we know from the entirety of Scripture that God is a loving Father, that God does have an incredible heart for us, that God has done so much to serve us and love us and care for us. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, God empowering us, comforting us. But this verse does highlight a mentality that we should have towards God. Not a mentality of being a loophole, what's the least I can do, but a mentality of a loyal servant. To say, God, I'm willing to do whatever you need. I'm not out here saying, look at how awesome I am for the two things that I did, but I'm saying I'm wholeheartedly committed to you. I am your servant. And I'm not looking for a pat on the back. I'm looking to say, what else do you need? I am here reporting for, for duty, reporting to say, God, what do you need me to do? That's the mentality that we should have, that we're loyal to him and we're looking to serve however we can. So I said, there's going to be a challenge. Here's the encouragement. That when it comes to Jesus' commands, Jesus' commands give us the boundary and the Holy Spirit gives us the creativity. Let me explain what I mean by that. Oftentimes when Jesus gives us a command, he doesn't exactly tell us how to do it in the modern world. So Jesus will say something like, flee sexual immorality. Now the question with that is, how do I do that? Does that mean I cancel my Netflix? Does that mean I cancel my internet? Does that mean I destroy my phone? Does that mean I just don't have certain apps on my phone? Does that mean that I have an accountability partner? There's a million different scenarios. And so we get the boundary through the scripture, through Jesus' commands. Man, I want to flee sexual immorality. And I'm loyal to God. I'm not looking for a loophole. But then I ask the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide me and to show God in my specific situation, in my circumstance, what is the wisest thing for me to do. Jesus gave a command, man, that we need to love God, that we need to love his word, that we need to pray. How do I pray? Do I pray once a day? Do I pray twice a day? Do I pray 10 times a day? Do I pray, do I read uh, the Bible one chapter a day? Do I read it in a year? What do I do? So, so the command is we want to do it, and we're loyal servants. So God, I'm, I'm going to do it if you ask me to do it. Now the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us, and God, lead me Give me the creativity. Give me the knowledge to know what I need to do in this 
situation. And so when we read the scripture, what we should think is, yes, God, I'll do it. Amen. And then we should say, Holy Spirit, show me how you want me to do it. Lead me and guide me. Help me to walk it out and help me to pursue the way that you want me to pursue. And I really believe that as we as a church, if we embrace this, if we say, Jesus, we believe in your promises. You've promised us your presence. You've promised us your power. But we want to do our part. We want to obey you. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit along the way. And we ask you to do that. I believe God is going to do great things in our midst. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day and we thank you for this challenging word. God, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit to us, to comfort us, to challenge us, to empower us. We thank you for the challenge to obedience. And God, I personally have been challenged by this text. I don't want to just be looking for loopholes. I want to truly obey because I love you. So help me to obey out of love for you. And as I do that, God, I know that I'll invite your presence and your power into my life. God, I believe that there are many here, and we're, we're, we're convicted right now that, that we haven't been obeying fully. And so I pray right now that your sweet conviction would lead us to change, would lead us to repentance, would lead us to restoration. God, there are many in here, and we've realized that we've kind of ignored the Holy Spirit. And we, we realize that what we need, truthfully and honestly, is to invite the Holy Spirit into every single day, into every single moment of our lives to empower us and to lead us. We ask that you would do that. I do want to take a moment with every head bowed and every eye closed just to share that I know that there are people here that you would say, I'm not a Christian and I want to become a Christian. You're watching online, you're in the commons, you're in this room and you would say, I'm not a Christian and I want to become a Christian or that I've walked away from God and I need to come back. And here's what I want to encourage you. If that's you, there's going to be a prayer team down front. And I want to ask you at the end of this service that you would walk down front and that you would talk to the prayer team and say, I want to become a Christian. I want to start a new relationship with God. If you're watching online right now, there's a number that's on the screen. You can either text that number or you can call. Somebody will be there to answer that. And we would love to reach out to you and let you know how to take your next steps following Jesus. God, thank you for this word. Thank you for today. In Jesus' name we pray.